All right, gang. Good evening. Snow. Yes. Yeah, it's not very... Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, shut up. I love snow. Snow days for school. I mean, I don't... I don't know. I'm open for like 10 inches. We're only going to get like three, so... I'm excited for snow. All right. It's kind of relaxing in here, isn't it? I mean, the music, I was like, okay. The snow's outside, and I'm like, all right. Maybe we could just all stretch out and... But, okay. Acts chapter 3. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Acts chapter 3. This is what we'll be tonight. We're going to study that. We're watching the birth of the church. It's exciting to see. I want to give a little background to this because the guys are going to go up to the Temple Mount here to begin to pray, okay? And we know that. But it's important. Dr. Luke, who wrote this, puts in when they went. And it's important to know, okay? Jesus is very much a Jewish Messiah, Okay, uh, it, it wasn't until much later that the church separated from the worship at the temple, the worship with the Jews. They, nobody, nobody thought there needed to be two separate groups. They were supposed to just receive their Messiah, a Jewish Messiah. Jesus is very much Jewish. He's the Son of God and, and everything that they had hoped for. Every prophecy is fulfilled through them. And so the guys are going about their business as if this is what we do. We've accepted our Messiah, Jesus. You haven't. That's fine, but we have. And so they go to the temple to pray like they always do. They do the feasts. They do everything else but the sacrifices. They don't do that because they know that Jesus is the fulfillment of those sacrifices. And so they come at three o'clock in the afternoon, okay? The hour of prayer. The hour of sacrifice was at 2.30. And so they're sacrificing and they didn't show up for that, but they came for the hour of prayer because Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so they're going about it like normal. And they're hoping to minister while they're there also, as as long as they're praying. Look, we're still the same guys. We're still John. We're still Peter. We're still Jewish. And Jesus is our Messiah. Okay? And so they go up at the hour of prayer like like they always do, like they always have. Um, Just not for the sacrifices. And so keep that in mind. I think that's important. It wasn't just an automatic, we're going to build our church right next to your temple kind of thing. That does come later, but only because they're not allowed into the synagogues anymore. But for now, and actually Paul does that very thing. He goes right next door to the synagogue and starts a church in a house, okay? Because they weren't received in the synagogues anymore. But that's, that's not happening yet, okay? They're hoping still for more Jews to understand that this is their Messiah as well. And that is the thrust of Peter's sermon at the end of this, okay? He's trying to explain to them, just like he did before. When he came out of the upper upper room last, last time and preached, he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was the Christ, that they had crucified him, but that he was their Messiah. And they said, well, what are we supposed to do now? If we killed our Messiah, he says, repent, repent, and believe, okay? It was all by design. It was all by God's plan. And he's going to say that again here, okay? So, verse 1, chapter 3. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, remember what that means. You just switch your numbers around. So, 12 is 6, and 9 is 3, and vice versa, okay? So, if it's the ninth hour, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, all right? And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So, that's a beautiful gate to the temple. 
to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So he's in a begging position, and he's done this his whole life. They would carry him and lay him at this beautiful gate and hand out, put his hand out just like they do, and and say alms, alms, you know, that's just the typical way. That's what he did his entire life until today, until this moment right here. It's the beautiful gate, but it's not a beautiful sight to see a human being who's been crippled, who's lying there. It's not a beautiful thing. It's an ugly thing. It's not how it's supposed to happen. So many times you'll see, you know, something happen to somebody. I don't know how many of you, I, I, I seem to be a magnet for these things in my life, but I've come across more car accidents than I wish I'd ever come across. I've come across more people getting injured and having to be there. I, I, no matter what job I'm at, it seems like I'm always there when that thing happens that doesn't ever happen, you know. And for some reason, it, it's odd to see a body out of shape. Not, I'm not going to go into great detail or something missing or an open wound that's 12 inches long. It's odd to see that. And so you come into this beautiful gate to the temple to worship, and here you see this man broken. You see this man who's been like this from birth. He's never ran. He's never walked. He's never played soccer. He's never done any of that. I'm kidding. They don't have soccer, but he's never done that before. And so that's where he would go. That's where he would. And they were used to seeing him there because he did this every day. Oh, there's, there's whatever his name was. And they'd walk past him. And maybe they'd give him some money, but they'd walk past him. Hey, what's going on, Joe? You know, whatever. Nothing changes. It's always the same thing. And they gotten used to that. They'd gotten used to going in and, and having their ritual. We go in and pray, we come out, and there's Joe. We go in, there's Joe, we come out, there's Joe. And that's what we do day in and day out, this constant ritual, expecting nothing more than that. We come in, we go to church, it's Sunday morning, it's 10 o'clock, I sit in my spot, I open my Bible, I listen to him, I try not to fall asleep. And we go home and we get our brunch and we da 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 da. Boy, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. Well, Peter and John are going to shake things up here. Well, actually, God's going to do it through them. Peter and John aren't guys that would normally get along. They weren't friends before this. They were both fishermen, but they weren't buddies. Two very different guys. And if you read John's gospel, you'll see that. John's always sort of in competition with Peter, you know. Um, And so they're not guys that would normally hang out together, but they do hang out together now. And there's only one reason they hang out together now. Fishing nets didn't bind them together, their work, same vocation. It's not not a big lake. Uh, You know, the Sea of Galilee is not very big. I mean, you'd see these guys every single day. In fact, you'd be in a little bit of a competition for the best spots. And these guys weren't friends at that time, but they are now. Now they're going up to pray. And the one difference is they both have Jesus. That's the difference. They have Christ. It draws them together. Most of us probably would have never met. Maybe here and there, maybe a business transaction, or maybe at an event or something, but we wouldn't be sitting in the same rooms, many of us, if it wasn't for Jesus. And he does that. He brings people together that wouldn't normally be together, and that's these two guys. So they're going up to pray. That's a good thing. Things are normal. They're going to go seek the Lord. The Holy Spirit's fallen upon them. They've been given gifts and talents and abilities and already spoken in tongues, other languages, and now they're going up to pray because that's so important. It doesn't matter where you are in the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you're a disciple, an apostle. It doesn't matter who you are. Prayer. Prayer, seeking the Lord. 
And so they do. So here they come. From their mother's womb, this guy's been laid there daily at this beautiful, asking for alms. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Peter's going to do something here. He's excited. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. That's a medical term in the Greek that only Luke would know, and he writes it there. They were out of joint, and now they've been put back into joint. So he, the man who was lame, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple, and then walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Say normal prayer time, you know. It's different. What in the world happened to you, Joe? You know. Joe's here. I don't know how many of these guys had probably hoped that Joe would get better, or wished they could do more for Joe than to give him a coin or two every time they'd walk in, or maybe they, some of them wished Joe wouldn't even be there because it kind of ruins their prayer time because he's always, he's always yelling and screaming when I come past him. I don't know what he was like. Maybe he was a super nice guy. I don't know. Peter does something here. Not John. John's with him, but Peter stops and says, look at us. And John's with him. John's on board. He says, I don't have any silver or gold to give you, but what I do have, I give to you. And that's really all God asks of us. There's a lot of things I'd like to give people. I would love this gift. I'd love the gift of healings. I'd love to go to St. Jude Hospital. You know, we talk about this all the time. Wouldn't that be great to go on the cancer floor, you know? Go into some bathroom, put your hands on the tiles or something. I don't know how it works. Say, God, heal every single child here and have them walk out of here today, right now, please, God. And then just kind of sneak out so nobody knows it is you or anything like that. Well, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't you love to do that? I don't have that gift. It's not a gift God's given me. It is a gift that Peter had at this particular time. Peter doesn't do this all the time. But at this particular time, he does this. Now, I try to dissect this stuff out and say, okay, now, you know, what's the formula here? How do we make this thing happen? How does this, you know, work? Let's diagram this sentence, you know, and maybe we can figure out how this could happen more often. You can't. We can't do it. I wish we could. We can only do it when God wants to do it. We can only do it at his bidding, at his command, and Peter makes that very clear. He says this in verse 11. Now, everybody's gathered around. They're real excited to see Joe. I'm giving him a name because we don't have one. The lame man who was healed. As he held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, and they were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? There's two questions there. Why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Two questions there. It's a good question for all of us. Why are you so amazed at this? Because it doesn't happen anymore. Because these things don't happen. Because we don't see this. Because we've forgotten how supernatural and awesome the God is that we go to pray to every single day. It's not a ritual. It's not a religion. It's not something I'm supposed to do or have to do or whatever reason we show up. 
We used to come here because we sought the Lord, because we wanted to be in the presence of the holy God that trembled the mountain when he gave us the Ten Commandments that our ancestors were so afraid of, that sent us the prophets. That's who we came to worship. But it's been such a long time since we felt anything shake or anything happen. We've kind of forgotten how big he is, how awesome he is, how amazing he is and powerful he is. So we're amazed. Peter says you shouldn't be amazed. You shouldn't be greatly amazed when these things take place. You should be like, yeah, that's what he does. That's what my God does. That's who we worship. That's what he can do. Sometimes that can be misunderstood as lack of faith. I'm excited to hear what God does all over the world. The miraculous signs and wonders that he's doing. I'm so excited to hear about those things. But I don't panic or freak out or jump up and down. And maybe I should. But it doesn't surprise me. I'm so glad that he does that. I'm so glad that he heals. God healed me of cancer. That's awesome. No, you don't believe me. Otherwise, you'd be more excited. You'd be more amazed. No, I just know that's what he does. I'm so excited for you. That's so great. I pray he does that more, you know. I pray that there's more opportunities for him to show his greatness. I don't want to be a marveling, amazed person when God does something supernatural. I want it to be so natural. Oh, yeah. He does that. I know. Isn't it exciting? We like the fact that the bones came back into place. We like to see that. It helps us to see physical changes in people. Um, And we're more excited about that oftentimes than we are about the spiritual changes in people. If 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 it wasn't a breach of trust, I'd love to write a book about the lives in our fellowship. I'd love to. I'd love to talk about certain families that showed up at certain points in their life that are absolutely amazing walking miracles of what God has done in their families, in their marriages, in their kids, in the restoration, in the beauty, the spiritual growth that only comes from a touch of the Holy Spirit. The only, only thing that, that could change their lives is Jesus Christ. Absolute miracle. Because people don't change. We know that. People don't change on their own. That's what New Year's resolutions are all about. That's why we have them every single year. I'm going to exercise. No, you're not. You're going to for January. And then you're going to get tired, and then something's going to happen, and that bag of Doritos is lying there, and you're going to eat them all, and then you're going to say, well, as long as I've done that, I might as well eat the Oreos too. Because habits are hard to break. People can't break. We don't change. But when Christ comes into a person's heart, and they're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, they're a new creation in Christ. They are absolutely different. I'd love to write a book. And better yet, it's just better to watch. It's fun to watch and understand that. I'd love to see people get you know, blind to be healed, and that's great. But blind people that get healed with their sight still go to hell without Jesus Christ. They're just going to go in whole. And that's not exciting to me. What's exciting to me is to see a blind man get his sight and then come to know Christ. Like this guy can't get his hands and arms off of Peter and John and he's in there praying and he, he doesn't go home to tell mom and dad, look, I'm not crippled anymore. He goes in to where he's supposed to and begins to pray with them also. Let's guess, let's go to God because God has done this. Now, that's exciting. But the exciting side of this is that he's coming closer to the Lord because of it, not just because of it. It isn't important. The fact that he's drawn near to God is. So he says, why are you greatly amazed? Why do you marvel at this? And why do you look so intently at us? Because they're looking at these guys going, who are these two dudes? 
you know? Whoa. See, everybody thought this was done with. They thought this was over once they killed Jesus. We thought once we hung him on the cross and got him out of the way, everybody in the temple thought, all the rulers, all the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the people thought, okay, finally we squashed that rebellion. We've got our power back. And then these two jokers show up, a couple fishermen. And by faith, he reaches out and grabs this guy by the hand and says, stand up and walk. I don't have any gold or silver to give you, but I can give you your health. Because God's given me that faith right now to do that. He's going to explain that to us here. And we'll get into some greater detail of this faith in a minute. Why do you look at us as though we had something to do with it? It's, and this is important. Please hear me. Or not me. Hear the word of God here. Look what he says. It's not by our own power or what? Godliness. See, sometimes I wonder if God can't use me because I'm not godly enough. If I was more godly, if I was more holy, if I was more whatever... Maybe, maybe then, maybe that's why healings don't happen is because I'm not holy enough. Maybe because I'm not doing enough or I'm not beating myself up or whatever it is that I'm supposed to do to make myself obedient to God and then he can use me. Peter squashes that right off the bat. That's not because we're godly and it's not because of our power. It's because God wanted to do something today with us, with this guy. And that's all it was. And we were available. See, Peter and John know that we need to be dead and Christ live in us. It has nothing to do with us. We have to be in prayer. See, these guys were going and doing the right thing at the right time. They were, they were, they were where God wanted them to be. And they trusted and they gave God glory for it. Those are the people God uses. Are you where you're supposed to be now, tonight? Hey, this is a good place to be. There's a lot of places you could have been tonight on a Wednesday night. Any bar would have had you. And any other place out there could have taken you. They'd be glad for you to be, but you're not. You're here. That's a good place. Or, or other churches. I'm not saying here, but you know what I'm saying. You're at the feet of the Lord. That's a good place. And you're in prayer, and you're spending time in prayer. And God wants to use us, not because of our godliness or our power, but because he wants to. We make ourselves available. These guys made themselves available. Peter goes on, Then the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The God of our fathers, very much Jewish, right? Glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Remember that, guys? Of course they remember that. That wasn't very long ago. Remember when you guys were all saying, crucify him, crucify him, you're real not Barabbas? Well, it's by the power of Jesus we just did this because God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God glorified his son Jesus. He's trying to let them know. He's teaching them, look, I'm glad you're excited about this, but you've got to know the source and the why. It's because he has compassion and he wanted to use us, and it's because of Christ that this man stands whole before you. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, that'd be Barabbas, and killed instead, is what he means, the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. There's a lot there. There's a whole lot there. But they understood it. Do you remember the guy that you wanted to let go, Barabbas? Do you remember Jesus whom you crucified? You denied the Holy One and the Just One, and you asked for a murder instead to be granted to you. 
and you instead killed the prince of life. How ironic, you know, the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. So you guys couldn't keep him down. Death couldn't keep him down. He ra- so there it is again, the resurrection of the dead. So important. There's hope. See, all the Sadducees hated this. There was no resurrection of the dead as far as they were concerned. And to hear this, quit talking about his resurrection. Quit talking about that. We don't believe in that. I love it when God does that to us. Quit doing that. I don't believe in that. (laughs) Tell him, you know. Tell God that your theology doesn't line up with his actions, you know. The gifts are not for today. You could tell him that if you wanted to, but he's still working and moving. And he's letting them know. He's not afraid to tell them the truth. You know, some would say this isn't exactly conversation evangelism, or this isn't exactly how you go about it. No, he's just letting them know, look, this is exciting. Now that we have your attention, isn't this exciting what God's done here? Let me tell you how this happened, because this isn't important. What's important is that you believe on Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah who was sent for you, whom you killed instead of Barabbas, whom Pilate wanted to let go, but you wouldn't let him. That's how bad this is. So you understand how bad this is. He lets them know. But it's by his name and faith in his name and the faith comes through him is why this man stands whole. Faith. Faith is a big word. We use it, I think, wrongly a lot of times. We think of it like pixie dust. Faith is something that God sprinkles, you know, or, or puts in a bag or that we can muster up or that we can create and it's, that's not it at all. The first thing we need to know is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So if I want to hear... If I want to understand and I read the word of God and I see what God has done in the past and I know that he still wants to do that in the future and with my life, nothing changes. God doesn't change. And so I have faith. If God did that with them and he says he wants to do it with me, then I believe that he can and will. Okay? And that's why we read through these things. We see these awesome faith. You know, we we read about this actually tonight. The word of God is being read. We're hearing it, hopefully. And it increases our faith. We're excited about it. That's exciting because I know that he doesn't change. And what Peter and John did wasn't of themselves and it wasn't because of godliness and it wasn't because of anything but that he wanted to work. And he still wants to do the same thing today. So that means it's still available. Now, that's the first thing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The second thing is what Peter says here, the faith which comes through him. It comes through him. It's given. It isn't something that we can create. It's not something we muster up. And I think we're taught that in certain circles, that something, we, we just not releasing it enough or we're not digging down deep or whatever it is, it, it's there, but you're just not using it. There's a guilt factor associated with it, with this teaching, and it's not true. The faith comes through him. Let me give you a scripture here, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. If you want to turn there real quick, I'll read that to you. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The faith itself is a gift of God. That's something he's given to us. We get grace through faith, but the faith is given to us by God, not of yourselves. You can't muster it up. People can't muster it up. It's got to be given, and it is. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can never then look and say, It's because of my faith that that person stands whole. That's what Peter's trying to get at here. That faith at that moment was given to me by God and I just did it. 
But it's not me. It was his faith that he gave me. He wants to make sure God gets all the credit. Don't look at us so intently. It's by faith that was given to me by God that I was able to do that at all. It had nothing to do with me. I was nothing but a hose. That's it. I carried it. He gave it to me and I let it out. Now the second thing we need to know is that everybody has faith. Everybody does. Everybody's been given a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, 3. He tells us that. Paul, as he's writing to the Romans, wants them all to understand that. He says, For I say to you, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody's been given a measure of faith. Everybody has the opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everybody, every man, woman, and child that's ever walked the face of the earth has an opportunity and has the faith to receive Christ. Some just don't. We don't know why they don't. We don't know what causes them to not. Jesus says it's because they love their sin more than they love him. No matter what they tell you, that's the reason. But they don't receive Christ, but they've been given that measure of faith. Everybody has. Again, it's been given. And so although I have this measure of faith, I don't know that I have that kind of faith in order to reach down to some guy at Walmart and say, get up out of that chair. We're walking out of this place. I don't know, you know. I've had moments in the past where I've ventured out in that area, but not that anybody would know about it, and I keep it to myself because it was a disaster and a failure, and they didn't get, it, but they didn't get better, you know. But some people have gotten healed. Um, Jenny. God does it more with Jenny than he does with me, for sure. You know, if I pray for you, you probably get a little bit worse. I, could, I wouldn't advise it. I don't, you know, well, God, take away this cold. And in seven days, I believe God will heal you. You know, that's about how long it takes for that virus to go through him. Jenny, on the other hand, not all the time. And she would never take credit, but he just, that's just something. And I'm going to get to this in a minute. Why? Why? You know, Pastor JD, I'm the most holy guy in the room. I should be able to do this better than everybody else, right? No. It's because it's not me and I'm not holy. Jesus is. But he does use Jenny more often. And other people, too. I mean, I've seen this. It's exciting. Um. And that's the second scripture I want to take you to about this faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul, again, writing to the Corinthians. And this chapter 12 is all about gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've all been given a measure of faith. That's a fact, right? We just read that in Romans. Everybody has that. But not everybody has the gift of faith. 12 goes through this whole list. I'm going to cut it short. We'll start in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Colon, here are some of the gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, but not to everybody. These are, understand that. That's the opposite. To one is given the word of wisdom, but not everybody gets the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge through that same Spirit. To another, faith by that same Spirit. Now, wait a minute. We were just told in Romans that we all have a measure of faith, but this is different. I think this is what we're seeing happen. This verse 9 is think what we're seeing happen with Peter here at the temple. Beautiful. 
He's been given this faith at this moment, at this time to ask that kid. John didn't have it. John didn't say it. Peter did. Could it have been either one of them? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is the way he says it. Verse 9 here, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues or languages, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Does that take a load off? It should take a load off. He distributes as he wills to each person the gifts. Maybe several. Maybe one. Maybe at different times. Maybe Peter couldn't do this all the time. Maybe he could do it all the time. You know, Maybe John got it once in a while and wishes he had it more often, but he was more a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom than he was that. Or maybe they spoke in tongues more than everybody else. Or maybe someone could interpret the tongues. You know, It's It's designed by that for a reason. If one person has all of them, what happens? Well, that's the guy. That's the guy that does the stuff. You know, we all go to church, we all worship, but that's the guy that does all the stuff. And he's the guy that sits in the cool chair over here. And he's the one that does all the stuff. Then we just bring people to him. Well, that's what happened when Jesus was around, right? And Jesus says, no, no, it's to your advantage that I go away, he tells us in John chapter 16. It's to your advantage that I go away, because if I do not go away, then I can't send the Holy Spirit. I can't send the Helper. But when I do go away, I'm going to send the Helper, and I'm going to... And greater works than these. Now, I'm blending a lot of scriptures here, but that's the idea behind it. At the time, he was the guy, and we brought everybody to the guy, and the guy did it, and that was great. I'm not being disrespectful. Please don't understand me. Jesus wants us to understand that. Now let me distribute the gifts as I see fit to the entire body of Christ and become a body. You're going to speak in tongues. You're going to interpret the tongues. You're going to have a word of wisdom. You're going to have a word of knowledge. And there's nothing about my finger pointing. Don't be like, I think I heard. No, you know, I'll just do this. I don't know. (laughs) I don't get to distribute. Oh, if I could though. I'd probably try to make money off of it. That's the kind of wicked guy I am. 50 bucks, I'll give you the gift of healing. You know. He distributes it. Please be encouraged by that. What does God want to do with you? What kind of gifts does he want to do? And since we know all this, and since we've kind of opened the door wide up, it's wide open right now, because it, it doesn't have to be, this is what I do. I'm the healing guy, or I'm the healing gal, or I'm the word of wisdom guy, or I'm the wisdom of wi- I'm the prophecy gal, you know? No, maybe today you are that. Maybe tomorrow you'll be something different. But here's the thing. What do we focus on? We focus on what John and Peter were doing. Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. They were going about their business. They looked for opportunities. They saw this guy. He's healed. He's at the beautiful gate. This isn't a beautiful sight. Let's make some beauty here. And by faith, he felt like that's what he needed to do, looking intently at him. I think God wants to do something right now. Look at us. And he looked at him for money. He says, I don't have any money for me, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he got up and walked. I just, I just think that's all we need to focus on. Are you ready to be used by God in a supernatural way when he wants to do it as he distributes? Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you in prayer? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you looking for opportunities to minister? And who knows what God will do? I know when we first came to town, God would do this more often than he does now. I'd be in that chip aisle at Walmart. 
feeding my flesh, you know, looking for the Doritos. And there's someone down there and I see him and I'll get that sense. And I don't know how to explain it. And maybe because I was more alert and more aware because we're starting a fellowship here and I'm looking to, you know, maybe you're still like a little chihuahua, a spiritual chihuahua, just looking, you know, walking around Maryville. And there I am in the chip aisle. I walk up to him and say, I don't know why. Is there anything I can pray for you? And they'll look at you like you're insane because that's what, that's right. That's normal. Um, I'm not crazy. I just really, I'm here to get Doritos because I'm hungry and it's one o'clock in the morning and I, you know, my wife and kids are asleep, but do you need prayer for something, dude? Can I pray for you? You can. And so there we are laying hands on people. I'm just praying for guys in the chip aisle. Lord, help this guy with his wife. His wife doesn't love him anymore. She wants to leave him. You know, he's just pouring his heart out here. I'm like, oh God, you know, you know, do something. Now give me my chips and I'm out of here and I'm rolling home, you know. And you never see those guys again. But who knows, right? Who knows what happens? I just, it's exciting to see. And I don't think he wants us to skip this. And I don't think he wants us to formulate it. But he does want the doors wide open in our hearts. Are you ready to be used by God in any way, shape, or form? Are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you available for him to you? Are you a spiritual chihuahua just shaking? Can I do something, you know? These guys are excited. Let's go to pray, John. Let's go to pray. You bet. Hey, there's this guy. Look at me. They don't have any silver or gold. I mean, they're, they're as excited as we are reading it. And he gets up and walks. We're like, That's, this is what we've seen for three and a half years with Jesus. He would do this all the time. And now he's using us. How exciting. And guys, this doesn't ever end. The book of Acts never has an ending. There's no final chapter. It continues on to the church to this day. He still wants to do it. He still wants to do it. And so... There's our faith teaching for tonight. It's not pixie dust. It's not something we pick up. It's not something we send for. It's something that God gives us, and if we understand that, are we available? Are we willing? Do we want it? Verse 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance. I know that you crucified the Lord in ignorance. Now we get that, and he gets that from Luke 23, 24, when Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Boy, they seemed pretty sure what they were doing, didn't they? But that's not how Jesus saw it. He understood if they really understood who it was that was sitting here before them on this cross, they would weep. And they will weep eventually. The Jews will look upon him whom they pierced. They will look upon him and mourn as one mourns for an only son. They will get to that place. But right now, they just don't know. And that's what ignorance means. Ignorance is without knowledge. They just don't know. We use it differently now. It's kind of a derogatory thing. You ignorant fool. That's not what it means. They did it in ignorance. And Peter's trying to encourage them. We understand that if you had understood this, you wouldn't have done it, but you did. But you did. As did also your rulers. They did it in ignorance also. So he's not even throwing them under the bus. I'd throw those Pharisees under the bus every chance I get, but he didn't. Your rulers didn't even know, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer... He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins might be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the time, times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. I, I love it that he gives them their problem, but he gives them their solution immediately. He doesn't let them flounder you know, and flop around out there, you know. 
you know, you guys killed the Christ. And he doesn't pause for effect to let them all feel guilty. He says, but you can repent. But you can be converted. You can receive him now. It's not too late. It's not like you've lost him because God raised him from the dead. It's okay. He's still alive. You killed him, but he's still alive. God raised him up. You can be converted. That your sins might be blotted out. And here's why. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you know how refreshing this day was for these people? To show up at the temple where they normally sit there and they go in for prayer and they see Joe and there he is and they throw him a coin and there he is. He's going to be limp and laying there tomorrow too and blah, 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 blah. We say our prayers to God because sacrifices are done. So rote, so ritual. What a refreshing day for them. They're in the temple of God. They're seeing God move and work through these guys through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, and the faith that he's given them to do this, it's refreshing. It's so exciting to see these things. And guys, you'll be refreshed when you pray for that person, you know, when you stop and you see the need. And by faith, you say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm supposed to say this to you. And you do it, and they're totally blown away, saying, I've been asking that very question of God, and thank you for having the boldness to say what I needed to hear. You're the answer to the prayer I prayed last week or whatever. It's so exciting. And you walk away going, all I did was say what he told me to say. You know how simple it is to walk with Jesus? How easy it is to walk by faith? You just have to do what he tells you to do. Say what he tells you to say at the time he tells you to say it. You know, And he's so gracious and merciful when you don't do it, when you blow it, because you will, because I do. You miss those opportunities. You, oh, I was supposed to pray with that guy, but I was in a hurry, and I didn't do it, and I didn't. He'll give you another chance to do it. He'll open another door for you to walk through. And it's so refreshing. I had some adjectives I wanted to throw in there, but I kept them on. It's so super refreshing. The presence of God. When he works through us, it's so exciting. And so then he says, this has all been told about. You can receive him because, believe it or not, every prophet's always said that the Messiah would come and he would be killed, but he's going to be raised from the dead. See, here's the thing. Today, if you ask a rabbi why they don't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, why he's not their Messiah, they'll say because of this prophecy here, verse 22, which is Peter's about to quote. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. That's what the Jews say today. That's what the rabbis say today. We're looking for our Messiah. He's going to be a man just like Moses, not some God come in the flesh thing that you're talking about. Ours is going to be just a man, just like Moses, and God's going to use him like he did Moses. But see, that's not how it was back here. That's not how it was back then. Back then, the rabbis and the rulers actually knew that the Messiah was going to be God come in the flesh. In fact, they say that as much in Mark 14, 61. They say, tell us who you really are, Jesus. They're questioning him. They say, are you the son of the blessed? They were expecting the Messiah to be God's only son. Are you the son of the blessed? And he says, it is as you say, and that's when they went ballistic. No, you're not, is what they thought. So the old rabbis understood that the Messiah was going to be the Son of God. In fact, that's why you read you know, Isaiah 9, 6 and all that, and that's just very confusing for them today. Um, 
front to you, a child is born for you, a son is given, he's everlasting counselor, everlasting father, God. You know, it goes through that. That's who this Messiah is. And they understand that the Messiah, about the pro- a prophecy about the Messiah, but they can't accept it because he's going to be a man, and it defeats itself. He's going to be a man just like Moses. He's not going to be the son of God. But that Isaiah 9, 6 really throws us for a loop sometimes because that does say that the Messiah is going to be God come in the flesh. And, uh, you know, they don't know what to do with it. They just ignore it. They just ignore it. And so he tells them that here. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. That's why Christ was sent, to turn you from your sins, to forgive you of your sins. Now they get excited. They get arrested, actually, at this point. Next week, we'll hit that, chapter 4, when they get arrested and, and they're not supposed to speak in the name of Jesus. And all the guys, all the powerful guys, are like, I thought we got this squashed. I thought these guys were done when we killed Jesus. They were all scattered, but here they are again. But these guys are bold. See, for them, it's a matter of whether they're going to get beat up or not. For us, it's a matter of whether someone's going to look at us cross-eyed, you know. We talk about Jesus today, they're going to go, you still believe in this invisible guy in the sky that does things, you know? That's embarrassing or can be embarrassing, you know, to some. Um, That's about the most persecution you're going to get here in America right now. Is someone looking at you funny. No one's going to try to beat you with a rod or give you 39 stripes or whatever. No one's going to do that to you, throw rocks at you. They're just going to look at you like you're crazy. What's interestingly enough is is that's enough sometimes for us to not open our mouths and to walk by faith. Is that fear of man. That fear of what man might think of us. The fear of man brings a snare. It's not that you lose your salvation. It doesn't, that doesn't, you don't lose your salvation. What it does do is it takes away that time of refreshing though. It takes away that opportunity to be used of Christ. That simple fear of man giving you a funny look because he may think you're absolutely insane in Walmart trying to pray for him, keep you from just, I'm just going to grab the Doritos and go. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm just going to get out of here. And you miss it. You miss it, you know. I just don't want us to miss it, you know. Trying to be too dramatic here. I just don't want any of us to miss it. I want our walks with Jesus to be these kind of walks with Jesus. I don't want to teach the Bible year after year and just have Bible study after Bible study and us sit here and go da 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 da. There's a reason we study God's word. Peter knew God's word. Peter was a man of prayer. Peter walked by faith. That's us. We get the word of God every Wednesday, every Sunday here. Yes. We're people of prayer. I hope. I hope. I hope you're praying. I'm assuming that. But man, the next thing, the third thing, and I'm trying not to formulate it, boy, we've got to walk by faith. Open our mouths when God tells us to, to really expect those opportunities for us and to actually say it and do it and see what happens. My coworker's crying. Can I, and you've got to say it. You, don't, you may not even like them. and They may not even like you. Can I pray for you? 
I hate you. I know you do. Can I pray for you? You know, can I pray for you? Yes, you can pray for me. But let's pray together. I'm going to pray first because I know you're probably awkward. You don't know what to pray. You don't have to say that out loud, but you know that's how they feel. I don't think I can pray. Most people feel that way. Let me pray with you. And now you say something to God. I don't think I can say anything. Just say anything. Say anything to God. Peter, remember that. That's all they need to do and encourage them with that. Peter, when he's sinking in the water, we just sang the song. My eyes, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on the water. You know, go beyond. I don't remember the words. Peter, when he's walking on the water, got his eyes off. Jesus got his eyes on the, on the waves. He began to sink. And he, what did he say? Help. That's all it took for Jesus to jump and dive into that guy's life. Oh, Peter, why'd you doubt? He didn't say, help, O thou father of the great heavens above and created, you know, no, help. And if that's all they can get out of their mouth, you have just introduced somebody to the king of the universe and they've talked to him for the first time in their lives. Hello. Mic drop, you know. I try to be cool, it doesn't work. Man, what an exciting week this could be, right? The rest of the week. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We don't know what you want to do with us, and we don't know when you want to do it, but God, we certainly want to be available for you to do it. And so God, tonight we come before you as a body of believers, but also individuals who are going to have their own spheres of influence, our own interactions this week with people and coworkers and friends and relatives and whatever. God, we just come before you, make ourselves available tonight. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, first of all, like you did the guys in the book of Acts chapter 2 when they were in the upper room in prayer, praising you, worshiping you like we've done tonight. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And then give us the gifts as you see fit. You distribute as you will. We want all kinds of gifts. We've got some great ideas for you, but we don't want to even open our mouths. We just want you to give us what you want to give us, when you want to give it to us. And Lord, help us to have the faith to walk in that, to do that, to open our mouths, to lay hands on people, to pray for people, even healings, miracles. But Lord, help us not to leave them there with just healing We don't want to just heal the body, but Lord, we want to take them to the healer. You, Jesus, you can heal spiritually, God. They need to know you as their Lord and Savior. So Lord, help us to finish the work there. Like Peter does. Yes, the guy was healed physically, but then he also shared the gospel with everybody who was looking and watching and listening. He saw the opportunity to do the the greater work to save souls. And so, Lord, we pray for that this week. Opportunities. Give us spiritual eyes to see those opportunities, to be bold enough to do what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it. Just obedient to do what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it, God. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.